I got a quick question for you. So did you know that if you were born in countries such as Lebanon, Egypt, Iran, Iraq, Israel, Morocco, Syria, and Yemen, what do you think the federal government classifies you as, as far as the U.S. Census? Right? So Egyptians, Iranians, Iraqis, Israelis, Palestinians for that matter, Morocco, Moroccans, Syrians, and people from Yemen, what do you think they're categorized? What's their, what's their racial identity? Well, in the U.S. government, people who are from the Middle East and North Africa, according to the U.S. Census, are classified as white, right? And it's interesting because there is now a push by people from those various origins. The New York Times just did a study not too long ago. And while categorically for the United States Census, these folks are lumped into the category of white, they don't identify it that way. How could somebody from Egypt, okay, <laughs> be classified as white, but they are? And it's a very interesting phenomenon. So what they're asking the U.S. Census to do is come up with a new category. And the new category would be called MENA, M-E-N-A. You know what that stands for? Middle Eastern or North African descent, right? Does it make, um, it, it's just, to me, it's mind boggling. So there is a proposal from the federal interagency technical working group on race and ethnicity standards under the White House's Office of Management and Budget. They are recommending that this category be approved ahead of the 2030 census. Now there's a whole lot of steps before this can happen, but there is a public comment period, uh, which will, uh, where there was a public comment period uh, where this was in place last year, uh, but uh, it's it's an early step for possible revisions to the U.S. Census. Again, the new standards should be considered, and believe it or not, those who are of Middle Eastern or North African descent are classified as white. There are about 4 million, approximately 4 million people who are of Arab descent in the United States, but Right now, they're classified as white. Interesting, isn't it, right? Who gets to be white and who doesn't? And uh, speaking of what it means to be white, there is a podcast that was recommended to me uh, at a workshop I attended recently uh, on Black Men Can Heal. It's called Seeing White. Uh, you can find that. We'll have the link for you. Uh, it's called Seeing White, Seen on Radio. It's a 14-part documentary series exploring whiteness in America, where it came from, what it means, and how it works. Again, it's Seen on Radio. It's called Seeing White. It's a 14-part doc documentary. And it's interesting that we look at that because it helps to explain who gets to be white in America. And Again, if you're from Egypt on the U.S. Census, that racial category makes you white. You know what else I've been thinking about as well? Um, 
Oh, and a book that, uh, two books I recommend, and again, this came from the Black Men Mental Health uh, Summit that I attended, uh, and I have both of these books. One is called Stolen Legacy, and the other one is called Before the Mayflower by Lerone Bennett Jr. And what does that mean? Well, Before the Mayflower is a book, by the way, this is March, so we're celebrating Black history. Uh, Before the Mayflower is a book that really documents the presence of Africans in America or what is now called America before Columbus, right? There's also a book, Ivan Van Sertima, uh, they came before Columbus. And so there are so many different ways for us to, 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 to challenge ourselves when it comes to, to history. Now, let me get this straight because I think this is a really important piece of information as well. We must, as a community, right now more than ever, continue to educate our own children. That means showing up in the schools. That means showing up in the, in, in the communities, wherever we can and wherever we can lend our voice to in our own homes. It begins first. We got to educate our children because we are raising a generation for those who we're, we're raising a generation we are the benefit of the, we are the, what do you call it? I call ourselves the children of the dream. We're the children of the dream. and we're, we're raising a generation that we're not educating in the way that we learned, right? We didn't have no, we didn't have any choice to learn. So when we talk about literacy, it may be time for us all to go back to school and to really revisit some of our own history. And it begins in our own family. And I, I was really thinking about this. I called my cousin because I have my oldest living relative on my father's side, Aunt Nettie, and I called my cousin Fonzo and I said, listen, I want to sit down and interview Aunt Nettie. And I want to learn not only about her life, but I want to learn about her parents who I never got to meet and her perception of her brother, her next to youngest brother. Um, well, she had three brothers, four brothers and two sisters. Okay. And I want to hear her story. I want to die. I want to hear her documented history while she's still here. So I'm going to film it and we're going to have it as far for our family treasures. And I just think that right now, if you've got somebody in your family who is a elder, who is the matriarch or patriarch of the family, sit down with them, get a tape recorder, get a book, get a, and t have them tell your story, tell their story. Here's why this is important, because when we think about our own stories, we don't have them. Like right now, my grandfather, whose name is James Henry Singleton, my uncle, I have no idea where to locate any of my family on my mother's paternal side. And then, even less so on my mother's maternal side. I have more connection to them, but who are the singletons and where are they? And what is the line from my grandfather uh, and his, he had a sister, wh wh where does the line go? I don't know, right? And when I was 12 years old, when my grandfather died, you know, I didn't think to, you know, cap sit down with him and get this information. So this is important for you for if you, in your families, this is important for you 
in 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 communities, whether you have a cousin, an aunt, a grandmother, grandfather, because we won't have them forever, folks. And so it's really important that we capture our own histories and then pass it down so we can know who we are. My father for the family did like a family tree to to help us to know who we are and where we where we come from. And I, I you know, I, can I just be vulnerable for a little bit? When I grew up, I I was ashamed of my name because people made fun of it. You killed Patrick, you Irish, you all of this and that, right? And then they messed it up. Fitzgerald, Fitzpatrick, Kirkpatrick, uh, Fitzroy. I mean, please. But it was when I got around my family and heard the pride and there was no shame in it, right? But as a kid, you don't know any better, right? But to teach that pride and to, to be around my family with that pride, that really meant a lot to me. And it helped me to reaffirm who I was and reaffirm in my strength and my identity. That's why I am who I am. And this is because of them. What, what, what's that? Uh, there's something on the internet called because of them we are. And so it, it, this train of thinking started for me looking at the story about those who are Egyptian being classified as white, right? And what was the, and, and in some ways that could be political. But be that as it may, we're all responsible for capturing our own history. Again, that documentary series is called Seeing White. It's on seenonradio.org. Seenonradio.org is a 14-part series. Again, we'll have the transcript for you. There's a study guide. There's a whole lot of um, there's a whole lot of 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 support, you know, study guides, a lot of things that go along with that. So uh, I, I just want to, we got to educate ourselves, people. This, you know, we talk about this election. And you know what my concern is um, when we think about identity and race and so forth and so on? Let's think about what we've been witnessing now. At the same time as we've been making some economic gains, and we, we've, as, as Shirley Chisholm said, we are pushing our seats up to the table, we're seeing a backlash. Just this week, the Supreme Court has agreed to hear the president's, he wants to get out of the January 6th trial, and he's made the case that he's immune from prosecution because he's the president, and the Supreme Court that he appointed is going to hear his case. And one of the, I, I'm really interested in the, I've got to do some more studying around Reconstruction, right? And that period, because it, I wasn't there, right? I wasn't there. But think about the period of Reconstruction, right? We had we elected blacks to the Senate at the time. We, you know, made you know there was the Freedmen's Bureau. It was all these things that were done at that time or was promised to us, you know, forty acres and a mule, uh, to help to mitigate the disastrous and traumatic and brutality of slavery. And then Reconstruction came. And then right after Reconstruction, guess what we got? Jim Crow, right? Legalized segregation, legalized as Michelle, um, I'm sorry, as Isabel Wilkinson would say, legalized caste in this country. You are legislatively a second-class citizen. A citizenship, by the way, 
that had to be amended through the Constitution, right? Y'all know that, right? I, we didn't even have citizenship in the country that we built. Y'all don't know this. Y'all don't know your history. So here's what I'm saying to you. My fear, maybe it's irrational. You can say what you I, I My fear is a second reconstruction, meaning not the, the, the gains made, but the after effects. That's what it feels like to me. I would love, if you're a historian or if you know of historians that know this period and can see the parallels, I would, or, or tell me I'm crazy and I'm okay with that too. But it just feels, just from what I understand, it feels like a second reconstruction and the after effects of that, a resegregation of America. But we can't, we have, we have, we have, um, we've got a role to play in all of this. And, and as Andrew Stewart cousin said, you know, it, it's funny because when I hear, she said, you know, we gotta work to promote democracy. And when I hear that, I almost wanna say, hmm, and how has this been working for us all these years, right? Yeah, I, I want the idea of that to be upheld, but it seems to me that it's only convenient we've come into a place in this country where we only talk about the ethics of democracy as it suits our interests in that moment right but here's something that i learned or that i that's been reinforced with me the other day and i'm thinking about black communities in particular one of the things that we have been able to do for so long as a community is survive, right? But the survival mindset is a certain level and it isn't the same thing as thriving. And so think about it. Are we teaching our kids to survive or are we teaching our kids to thrive, right? Thriving versus surviving. What's that meant? What is the mentality that we are passing on to our our next generation? It makes me think of, and, and how do we apply those lessons? It makes me think of some of the work that we've been doing here with Vicki Brackens talking about zero no more and wealth generation. I had commented on a Facebook post by Wayne Wright. He was saying that his catering business, Time to Eat Catering, shout out Wayne. You can buy ads on the show next time. But he has a barbershop and he was basically saying that um, Jamal Finch is gonna take over and he's gonna now work with Jamal. And I commented that I love to see the transfer of wealth uh, or the potential transfer of wealth in our community. We need to do that more, right? Because many of the places in our community where we do business, Either we're we're not figuring out how to make those businesses thrive. So I like it. And barbers do this all the time. You know, Chinese uh, restaurants do this all the time. We don't know it. They'll change up in a minute and don't tell you nothing, right? You know, number 44, whatever it is you're ordering, right? So this, this is something that we can continue to do to make our community successful. And... I want you to think about this, right? As we think about the work we do, if we have access to certain positions, if we have access to certain opportunities, 
What does your access mean for others if we're not bringing other people along? Are we lifting as we climb, right? If you're in a position to create opportunities for other people who are qualified, let me get that right. But if you're in a position to open up a door, then open the door. Don't keep it all to yourself. Open the door and let some other folk in. That's how we build wealth in our community. If you have an opportunity and you're not, I, I love, who is it? Um, uh, Chanel Dawson has the business Access Global, right? If you're not giving access to other people, then what's the point, right? We've got, if our, and so when we say black community excellence, right? This is not, this is a no brainer, right? This is nothing to be ashamed about. I, I remember, God bless his soul, George Caloris, who was a um, financial planner. And, you know, he and I, we, we would meet at Wegmans all the time. And a nice guy, um, he used to own, actually, he used to, be, he used to own a restaurant downtown right there where the fish fryer is called Daniel Webster's. Uh, great restaurant, very nice restaurant. And we used to talk all the time. And when he talked to me about introducing me to other people, here's a dirty little secret. They were all Greek. This person Greek, this person Greek, this. And unabashedly, he was of Greek descent. Unabashedly, he was going to introduce, when I say introduce, like all the people he was going to recommend were Greek. So, right? It wasn't even like a thought. Not to me, that doesn't mean you don't do business with everybody. I'm not saying that. But we also got to make rooms for, for our community to thrive. And so if you're not giving access to other folk, then what the hell are you doing in that position? So finally, uh, this is a thought that occurred to me. And I've been really sitting with this for a minute, right? As a, as a person in leadership position and also trying to bring others along. And you have to sort of work with how do you help people in the area of their strength? Then how do you help them grow outside of the, their comfort zone? Those are two di very different things. And so I, the thing that's playing with me in my head right now is that whatever you're gifted in, you're, you, you hear this saying, your gifts will make room for you. But I go back to what Oprah said, only if you know what you want and how to apply and use your gifts, right? And so I'm hoping that even going back to where we started, which was how do we educate our children so that they understand how they can use their gifts and how we as a community as a black community, as a Pan-African community, how do we grow and prosper and thrive? We gotta get out of the survival mindset. And, and that's hard for a lot of us, right? Because we grew up on the, you know, we grew up that way. But if we're to create another, the next generation of wealth to transfer it through the next generation, we've gotta make some decisions differently. We have to, practice it differently and in doing so we can make a difference 
not only in this world, but in our communities. All of this starts at home though, right? So whatever you can do, if you got a minute to read to somebody, um, you know, Black History Month, everybody was in demand. March, today is March, this is March now, right? Guess what? It's still Black History. Uh, I got I got this at Mar- Martha's Vineyard. Can you see this? It's a 20, 2024 Black Facts calendar, okay? And so for today, I'm going to open up the calendar, and it'll have for, you know, today, this is uh, August. I'm sorry, August. I turned to August, and I, you know, sometimes you got to just shut up, because I said exactly what came out of my mouth. So I've been giving you some quizzes, right? So on to today's topic is name two African-American women who revolutionized the care and treatment of black women's hair. Name two African-American women who revolutionized the care and treatment of black women's hair. So Black History Month 24-7, 365 will have the answer in our next set. Well, before the end of the hour, we'll have our answer there. So there you go. Um, I appreciate you and I love you. Oh, and by the way, shout out again to uh, Rachel Johnson and the crew at the Half Hood, Half Holistic. I had a good time. And there's more to come on that. And, and, and you know, whether it's black, ma- black male mental health, Listen, listen, sisters, when y'all have everything that's just for you, we don't, we don't say nothing about it. We don't try to get, go to the thing. You know, you, you, we don't try to, you know, ladies night out, Galentine's day. We don't try to, um, interrupt. What do you call it? Not interrupt. We don't try to, uh, bogart and get in there. I don't know what the word is, but in other words, let us have our space. Or what about this? We need a space. Come on. Oh, y'all got this and that. We need a space. So more to come on that. And it's, and, and, and I don't we say mental health. It sounds so, ooh, but really what we're talking about is, brother, are you all right? For real, for real. Brother, what's going on? I, this happened this week. I reached out to a brother. I said, yo, man, it's been a minute. I miss you. What's going on? And then brother unloaded and said, whoa, boop, boop, boop. It was like, it was like he had a shotgun. It was like, well, this is what's going on. I was like, whoa, we got to stay in touch with each other. And I'm saying that because that was a whole lot. And where was I? All of that was going on. Right? Stay in touch with your people. Omega Psi Phi Fraternity Incorporated has uh, this initiative called Brother, You're on My Mind. And so... Uh, every Wednesday, you're supposed to tap in. Um, it may be more than that, but every Wednesday, you're supposed to call a brother and simply say, brother, you on my mind. And so um, I'm challenging you today. So, to, so today, when you, whenever you see this, pick up the phone and call or text. So listen, let me just get something straight here. I ain't a text guy. I mean, I, I will text, but you need to call me. And I, I, I will pick up the phone. I'm not one of these blah, 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 and all the time. Th- uh-uh. 
I'm still from that generation. Y'all need, I need, we need to talk. We need to talk. If I have the time, you know, I know it's much, very convenient. We have the devices. We can just, you know, check in and tap in. I need a call. I need a call. I'm that one. Yeah. I need a call. Now, the other piece of that is if I got to get off the phone, read the cues. Okay. Read the cues. You know, all right, well, you know, good catching up. Talk to you soon. Okay. That means it's time to go. But anyway, but that's that's probably why some of y'all text. But make room in your life for people who you care about, who you haven't heard from in a minute, check in on them. You never know how that might make them feel and how they might need it and don't know how to express it. That's really what this is about. Giving you, I'm giving you permission. Women do this much easier than we do, but I'm giving you permission to reach out and touch another brother so that we can all be well together lift as we climb people that's what i'm talking about here on george kirkpatrick inspiration for the nation